This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. It was called the Blendlands. Now we will live. That is what the hungry boy liked to say as he walked along the quiet roadside or through the empty fields. But the food that he saw was only in his imagination. The weed had all been taken away in a heartless campaign of requisitions that began Europe's era of mass killings. It was 1933. And Joseph Stalin was deliberately starving Soviet Ukraine. Where the Stalinist regime had starved and shot some four million people in the previous eight years, German forces managed to starve and shoot even more in half the time. Stalin saw farmland and its peasants as something to be exploited in the making of a modern industrial state. Hitler believed the Germans could make of Ukraine a land of milk and honey. Hitler and Stalin's utopias of control overlapped in Ukraine. For both, Ukraine was more than a source of food. It was a place that could enable them to break the rules of traditional economics, rescue their countries from poverty and isolation, and remake the continent in their own image. During the years that both Stalin and Hitler were in power, more people were killed in Ukraine than anywhere else in the Bloodlands or in Europe or in the world, unquote. That was a quote from a book by Timothy Snyder. Ukrainians are still suffering from Russian hegemony. Germany is now a Western democracy, while Russia has only changed dictators. So once again this week, Russia's military forces reported gathering on the border with Ukraine in force in a campaign of intimidation as talk swirls into debate about whether Putin will invade Ukraine again. His first incursion annexed a portion of eastern Ukraine that was settled mostly by Russians, as well as Crimea, which provided Russia a strategic port in the Black Sea. He has no intention of leaving Ukraine, has no military capability of expelling the Russians. Therefore, stalemate exists. We, the United States, looked the other way during Putin's first invasion of Ukraine, providing Ukraine only financial assistance, but have since provided Ukraine with defensive military aid after overcoming a quid pro quo. Putin claims the Ukraine is a buffer to Russian national defense and sees the Ukraine alliance with the West as well as their bid to join NATO as a threat to his security. He will not abide a strong Ukraine. That country is gravitating to the West, and Putin wants to stop that erosion. Therefore, he is fermenting crisis. He would like a commitment from the West that Ukraine will not be inducted into NATO among demands. Most U.S. military analysts say that there are low odds, maybe 1 in 10, of Putin going all-in militarily against Ukraine. Surprise typically favors the contrarian. Time is on Ukraine's side, so if Putin is going to go, it would make sense for him to do it sooner rather than later. He'll be up against a tough adversary. Most every Ukrainian can remember someone in their family lineage that was killed by the Russians, so there's no love lost between them. Putin thinks that if he pushes, that Biden will not check his aggression in Ukraine. Xi Jinping is pressing Biden in the Pacific, focused on Taiwan. Our inglorious exit from Afghanistan with our tail between our legs, as mismanaged by Biden, set up these additional geopolitical challenges. We are talking softly but forcefully, and while we may still have a big stick, our challengers do not think that we will use it. We just ended our foreign entanglements in two wars. While there has been military fatigue on the part of the resolve of the U.S. public, we have immediately went about girding for the next ones. Tit versus tat as all sides ramp up military blusters occurring over both Ukraine and Taiwan. 
It eventually increases the geopolitical tension to a war footing, and Putin in particular thinks he is the toughest guy on the block, acting the bully. Ukraine is a land of milk and honey as its agricultural bounty helps feed the world. Ukraine is reliant on Russian natural gas, which is one dependence they have attempted to resolve with supply from the West. But whether the kind of winter they have would bear on their fundamentals. Russia has taxed exports of wheat and corn to limit them due to domestic prices. To this day, they see Ukraine as a breadbasket that they could plunder. Ukraine had a good crop this year, while Russia did not. Exportable supply from the Black Seas region is only marginally higher. Along with the U.S. and Brazil, Ukraine is the primary source of corn for export. China is in their market. If Putin takes Ukraine, he solves his country's food supply issue and increases energy prices while making him the big dog in the Black Seas region in Europe. This would be a bad way for our grain prices to climb, but is in the deck of possibilities. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.